Good morning. My name is Chris. I'm one of the pastors of Horizon, and we are so excited that you are worshiping uh, with us this morning. Uh, just last night, uh, we were eating dinner with my parents, and this story came up. It's one of these stories, I don't know if you have any of these in your family, where you like literally tell us the same story, like it might happen like once a year or maybe every few months. Um, and this is kind of one of these like stories that like define Erica's legacy with my family. It happened uh, just over 10 years ago when I was graduating from Duke and we were in the process of moving from Durham uh, to Tennessee. We were about to get married a month later. And so we were moving out of my apartment in Durham. My parents had, had flown in from Tampa. I picked them up from the airport. And, uh, you know, they, they came in like nice clothes, but, you know, if you're, if you're moving and you're like still kind of in that college age mode, like you're just renting the U-Haul and like slinging stuff and buying pizza for people. And so I had some neighbors, Erica was there, my parents got there and they changed into like their work clothes. And so my dad put his clothes in the back of my Jeep and put his, his new shoes that he'd gotten for our wedding. He was like, he was wearing his, the shoes that he was going to wear for our wedding for the first time, he was like going to break him in when he flew on the airplane that day. And so he, he put him in the back of my Jeep and we spent the day lugging furniture and boxes and all sorts of things in to this U-Haul. And you know, when you move out, you begin to realize that you have all these, these things that you're like, why in the world do I have this stuff and why am I accumulating so much stuff? And so there was that necessity of making that trip to Goodwill. And so we had piled in all kinds of things I didn't need anymore, probably some kitchen stuff that we now were going to like upgrade because we were actually in married life and there was no longer the bachelor kitchen going on. And so I don't even know what we, we took to Goodwill that day. And so Erica saw a need that day because we had piled it in, my, in the back of my Jeep and she was going to meet a need for us that day. It was nearing the end of the day. The pizza was on its way. And Erica was like, I'm going to take this stuff to Goodwill, like get it out of here while y'all finish like the last few things on the truck. I'm going to be super helpful. I'm going to take everything that's in the Jeep and take it to Goodwill. And some of you might know where this story might be going now. Uh, so needless to say, she cleaned out the back of the Jeep. She opened up the tailgate at Goodwill, tossed everything to them. And she was going to be a great future daughter-in-law right here. My dad is a CPA. He's an accountant. So she made sure to get the tax receipt for all these items that she had just dropped off. So she was so proud of herself. She had saw a need, and she met that need that day. And see, she drove back to our house. We're now opening up the pizza boxes. And my dad was like, I think I'm going to change back into my other clothes now. I'm just going to go get them out of the Jeep. And needless to say, they were, those shoes were no longer in the back of the Jeep. They were somewhere at Goodwill. So now Erica, who thought she was doing such a great job, drives back to Goodwill and is now digging through bins of, of recently donated things looking for these shoes. But we never found those shoes. But she saw a need that day and tried to meet it. And that's, I think, a principle in my own life that I try to live. If I see something that needs to be done, I want to do it. Like whether it's just a piece of trash on the ground or if it's something I can do around the house, I, I want to do it in that moment. And Eric and I really wanted to inject that same kind of philosophy when we started Horizon Church, that we were a church that would see needs and meet needs. And we met with so many of you. That was something we, we continued to hear from you, that you had grown up in a church or you had an experience with church or you even just witnessed churches that weren't meeting needs of the community, that weren't making a difference 
we, Eric and I, had been a part of those very churches. And so we, at the core of who we wanted to be with Horizon, was about shining light and igniting change, about seeing needs and meeting needs. And those two things are so true in the world. A study says that about a third of young adults, a third of young adults, only a third of young adults believe that the church is making a difference in their communities. So two-thirds of young adults think that the church is talking too much, that the church is more known for taking than giving, that the church is more known for being judgmental, that the church is more known for being hurtful rather than healing for two-thirds of people in the world. And yet Horizon wanted to be a church that was seeing needs and meeting needs. That's what the kind of legacy we wanted to have as a church. And I think one way to, to get at this is to ask the question, if, if Horizon disappeared today, would anyone notice? If Horizon disappeared today, would there be a gap in the love of this community? If Horizon disappeared today, would anyone take notice? Would anyone know that it was missing? And I think you all would, would give probably, hopefully, some gracious answers to that question. But it's really a question that those outside the walls of the church have to answer. And what, what steps do we take as a church? So that answer is a resounding yes. Yes, people miss horizon. What steps will we take? And so today we're going to be looking at Ephesians and we'll be in chapter 2. The book of Ephesians was written by a guy named Paul, and Paul writes to the Christians in Ephesus. And he, spent, he spends the first three chapters of Ephesians talking about God's great love. And this thing, that is God's great love is called grace. God's great love for us is called grace. And Paul had, had, had started the church in Ephesus. You can read about him traveling to Ephesus in Acts chapter 19. And so these were people he knew. And he's writing to them and he's saying, I hear that you're physically alive, but you're spiritually dead. You're spiritually dead because you're living a life without purpose. You're living a life without meaning. But Jesus, Jesus comes to rescue us from that purposeless life. Jesus comes to give us life, to give a, awaken us to a spiritual life that we have meaning with. And so if you've got your Bibles with you, I invite you to open it up. We'll be in Ephesians chapter 2, and we'll start in at verse 8. So it says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is, a, is not a reward for the good things we have done, so that none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus, so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. The good things he planned for us long ago. The first thing I want to talk about today is that God's love for us, God's grace for us is a gift. It's a gift. And I think this for me was one of the hardest concepts 
to get, and I, I still kind of at times struggle with this. I, I know if you've grown up in the church, you've probably heard this thousands of times that God's grace is a gift. It's nothing we can do to earn it. I remember back when I was in college, I, I went to an amazing church that really began to spark in my own life this call to want to plant a church eventually. And it, I was in a small group, and I, I did my quiet time each day. But I felt like I, I got stuck in this struggle of, of being a Christian with so much of a checklist. Like if I need, did these five things this week, my relationship with God would be right. And I never felt like I could measure up. And I was in this endless cycle of feeling guilty that I was never measuring up to the person God was calling me to be. And it was because I couldn't accept this principle that grace is a gift, that God's grace is a gift. And I was in this cycle. Have you ever experienced that in your own life where you never feel like you can measure up? The only example of what grace looks like I, I can think of is that Eric and I have, have three small kids. We have a four-year-old, a three-year-old, and an 11-month-old right now. And I absolutely love them. I absolutely love them. But, I mean, even last night, gosh, most mornings they wake us up at least by five, sometimes at, at two or three in the morning and want to crawl in our beds, and it's, it's brutal at times. It feels like they eat all of the food in my refrigerator. My daughter, Emma, eats every one of my bananas, and I want a banana every morning just like she does, and it's so frustrating when she, there is one left and she takes the last one, but I give it to her anyway. It feels like at times when the preschool and the swim lessons and all those bills come due that they're stealing all my money too. Like there's absolutely no reason. They've done no good things, but yet I love them. And it's almost insane that they take all these things from me, but yet I love them at the same time. And that's the way God feels about us. God just loves us. There's nothing we have done. There's no good things that we have done to deserve that love, but God loves us. God loves us. And Paul keeps going in these passages, and he's almost like he's taking that lesson from that high school English teacher that told us to, you know, say the same thing, but just say it in a different way, again, to make the hammer home that point, right? And so Paul, Paul gets through verse 8 and 9, and then he goes to the start of verse 10, and he says that we are God's masterpiece. We are God's masterpiece. The Greek word here for, for masterpiece is a word that says to make a song. God's made a song with us. And we are to sing a beautiful song, a beautiful song to the world. You are God's masterpiece. God loves you even more. And you are God's masterpiece to sing a beautiful song to the world. To the beautiful song to the world. And so what is this song that we sing to the world? It's the good things. And we are not saved by our good things, but we are saved for good things. God is telling us, just in the same way that I changed you, I want you to change the world. Just in the same way that I have been generous with you, I want you to be generous to others. Just in the same way that I have served you, I want you to serve the world. Just in the same way that I have loved you, I want you to love others. The change that I have seen in you, I want you to do that same change in the world. 
not by our good things, but for good things. That's why God loves us, so that we can be about doing those good things. So often in our lives, I think we get to that point where, what does that even look like? What does that look like to be about the four good things? And I, I, I have to ask myself, is it, am I serving the world well? Am I loving the world well? Do other people know that I love the world? love them and in loving the world. And so often in my own life, I find myself at this spot where I have to remember that the old song that I used to sing at camp when I was a camp counselor, that they'll know we are Christians by our love. They'll know we are Christians. Does the world know by our actions? They know our love by our actions, not just by the things that we say, by the things that we do. Because we've been saved for good things. We've been saved for good things. Because I think so often in our lives, we make it about that list, that, that list that I was telling you about, about getting our butts to church on a Sunday morning. We make it about that. We make it about learning theology, and pretty soon we're, we're just uptight, right? We're uptight. And sometimes we can come across as jerks, but does the world know that we are about love? Does the world know that we are about love? Because here's the thing, the, the, the places in our lives where God is calling us, God has planned those things already for us. There's a divine origin to the good things that God is going to call us to. And I think when we hear that, we, we only think of these big, mighty things that God's going to call us to. And it can feel overwhelming or that's not for me. But the things that God calls us to might even be really small. They might just impact one person. They might not ever make the news. They might just impact one family, one community. But God has something planned for you. And these things will find us if we do three things. These things that God has planned for us, we'll find us if we do three things. The first is we've got to pay attention with our eyes to the needs around us. We've got to pay attention to the needs around us. The second thing we've got to do is pay attention to what moves us. What in our heart is moving us? And the third thing is what are the things that we have? The things that we have in our hands maybe, the gifts, the talents, the abilities that we have and we pay attention to those three things, God will do something amazing. I want to tell you about a guy named Bill. I, I'd met Bill when I was working at a church in Nashville, and Bill could honestly, I think, have already applied for sainthood because Bill taught uh, a high school small group for me, and in, in a, teaching a high school group, is in of itself, like, you should just get an award for that. I mean, these kids at this point are either asking really tough questions or maybe don't even really want to be there anymore, but yet their, their parents are dragging them to church still. And Bill showed up every week and led this small group of high school students, and he, he taught them the scriptures. But here's the thing that, that really, I think, shows how Bill 
saw a need, recognized what was moving in his heart and what he had to offer the world was, was Bill was, was getting later in his career, he, he had been a, a, an amazing lawyer in Nashville, but at this point in his life, him and his wife had, had moved out of, out of town um, just a little bit further out into a rural area surrounding Nashville, and he was living more, almost the retired life at this point. He was working less, and he had, a, had become involved with an organization called the Nashville Food Project. And the Nashville Food Project took food trucks and had made amazing meals from things they would glean from Publix, from Whole Foods, um, from all the local rest, um, grocery stores, and made like gourmet meals and took them on a food truck to places around Nashville that were food deserts. And Bill had gotten involved with this organization at the same time about that they had moved out um, to this rural area outside of Nashville, and he had lots of acres. And Bill began to, to dream what it would look like to begin to farm those acres that he had bought, to farm those acres with his new time that he had, and you would think now, like, Bill must have had some life, like, had grown up on a farm and had all these life skills of being a farmer. But he was probably just a little bit like us when he first started. Bill was a hack at best, probably. He was Googling things, reading blogs, watching YouTube videos. He had no skills to do this. But yet Bill dug up the soil on his farm. And the first summer, he grew 800 pounds of food that he donated straight to the Nashville Food Project that went to the communities in Nashville that were food deserts. Bill saw a need. He recognized what he had to offer the world, and he began to show the world the love that he experienced in Jesus. And so often in our lives, we have these moments, right? where God is, is calling us to step out. So what's going to be our legacy? What's going to be our legacy? If Horizon disappeared today, because Horizon, it, the church is, is, is not a building. It's not an hour on Sunday morning. Horizon is you. Horizon is us. Horizon is we. So that I think the best question to ask, the question that we started with, is not if Horizon disappeared, but if you disappeared today, outside of your friends, your family, with this community, notice that you're gone. With the community, notice you're gone. With this world, notice you're gone. What kind of legacy are you leaving? Would you pray with me? Gracious and loving God, we thank you so much for your grace. The grace that loves us when we don't deserve it. The grace that we can never earn for ourselves, that you just shower over us. And God, Use that grace today to open our eyes, to set our hearts on fire, to move us to meet the needs that we see. That we can be your hands and feet in this world to love, to serve, to share, to forgive. Use us today. Help us to take that step wherever you might be calling us today.
We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.